part of our process at the agency is to slow down so we can move fast, you know, especially when timing and deadlines and deliverables are so important because often we try to solve the wrong problem, you know, and, and so for us, we always try to say, okay, let's everybody slow down. Let's stop. Even if it's due in an hour and people are just so like, we can't wait. So it's do it. Uh-uh. Everybody take a breath. Everybody stop. What? is the problem we're trying to solve. And when we all agree from all the different places that this is what we're trying to solve, we solve in a blink of an eye because we have endless solutions, but we know what we're solving. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do. Because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. One of my favorite things is to get direct messages on LinkedIn from female executives. They reach out to me directly, maybe on a not so great day after back-to-back meetings or being triple booked, after a day ruled by things not moving the needle. And they think, what are we even accomplishing here? I don't feel like I'm making an impact. They reach out to connect because they want a safe space to figure out what's next for their career. Because right now in their role, they know it doesn't feel right. Something is misaligned. They know it in their gut and they've made a pivotal decision. And that's why this is one of my favorite things because these leaders are ready to be intentional and strategic in their career. That feeling might sound similar to you You might be watching others get promoted, seeing other people ascend to positions that are well beyond their skill set, and you feel frustrated and maybe not valued. I want to tell you that you can step into larger, higher paying roles while having boundaries you never even thought were possible. How would it feel to walk into your work week knowing that you have a list of challenging things ahead of you, that you have more control over your day? You know, you might be shocked how calm and centered and focused that you feel. The opportunities are coming your way and there's no part of you that's hesitating to consider them. I want you to get more strategic in your career, to figure out that next step, to land that promotion that you want, to feel like you are in charge of your week, to set the standard for how you work and how you show up. I know that you're ready. You're ready now. Join me and other high achieving women in the six month group coaching cohort. Apply now at thecatchgroup.com slash group coaching. That's thecatchgroup.com slash group coaching. Learn more and apply today for the You Belong in the C-Suite group coaching program. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with Gil Gershoni. Gil is the co-founder and creative director of Gershoni Creative. 
a branding agency with offices in San Francisco and Dallas. For more than 25 years, Gil has developed design and innovation-focused solutions that help brands connect themselves, their audience, and the world around them. Clients include Google, Apple, Spotify, Deloitte, Nike, BBC, and Patron. Gil is also the founder of Dyslexic Design Thinking, an initiative that explores how the dyslexic mindset can help improve the way we think, create, and relate to one another. He is the host of the Dyslexic Design Thinking podcast, which features interviews with dyslexic creators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. Gil is an advocate for the reframing of dyslexia as a hyper ability and regularly speaks to audiences about the power of neurodiversity, including a sold out appearance at South by Southwest. In our conversation, Gil and I talked about his career story and how dyslexia has shaped his career. We also talked about his creative process, how he utilizes whole body listening, how everything is negotiable and how his leadership style impacts how he builds his team culture and what he's most excited about working on in the upcoming months. What I also loved about my conversation with Gil and just getting to know him is in his preparation for being a guest on the podcast, he listened to previous episodes to really understand how he could bring value to our audience and our community. He also asked for feedback after our episode, and I really appreciated that. You know me, I love feedback and development. I know you are going to get a lot from this episode. Let's get started. Well, I am really excited to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to learn more about you, learn about your career and um, what you're finding most exciting now. So let's, let's start there. If that's okay, tell the audience a little bit more about yourself. Absolutely. So uh, my name is Gil Gershoni. I'm the founder and creative director of Gershoni Creative Agency. I also founded an organization called Dyslexic Design Thinking, which uh, works in intersections of dyslexia, creativity, uh, ideation, and uh, and design. I started my career, I should say, you know, I I, I was born in Israel and uh, born and raised in Israel, and uh, I spent most of my early uh, childhood in Israel. And I really struggled as a dyslexic. I really started to learn linearly, and uh, it took quite uh, quite a minute in my early years to sort of really discover that learning uh, through a learning specialist that you know I was diagnosed with dyslexia. You know, it was really explained to me after I was diagnosed with dyslexia that it's just a, a different way of thinking. That it was actually can be a challenge, and it is often, and it was for me earlier on. But if I look at what I can do with my dyslexia mind, it has a lot of advantages. So through that process, I start to sort of play a lot with creating, making theater, magic, illusions. And I end up going to University in New York. I went to Pratt Institute in Manhattan and uh, spent uh, four years there falling in love with learning, falling in love with different medium, falling in love with understanding what is the end user wants? How do they react what is love at first sight all about? How do we distinguish between the subject and the object and this invisible moment of relationship that changes our intention, changes our life, changes the way we behave? So I started Gershoni Creative Agency, and um, we coming up on our almost 29th year now, so we've been doing it for a minute. 
And, you know, at the agency, you know, our main thing is really working with individual and organizations of many different sizes all over the world to really build their brands, find out what's the truth about what they do and how authentically to share it and tell it to others. Uh, we work with a lot of amazing clients from Spotify to Google to Patron Tequila to Deloitte and the list goes on. But I think that the thing that always sort of uh, is the through line for me is how do we get and distill the truth of the organization of the product and how do we bring it to market, you know? And a lot of it comes from my own experience with my dyslexia, which is, you know, used to be labeled disability. And over the years, I found that it's actually, it's my hyper ability. So when I work with my team and my clients, I always try to find is where is the discord? Where is the thing that's not working, that's not performing? Where is the thing that we perceive to be the problem? Because often it's the indicator of where the solution lies and how do we turn that problem into solutions? It comes from the work we do at the agency and the way we think, you know, so I launched dyslexic design thinking, you know, about 10 years ago and got uh, to give a talk at South by Southwest to my amazement. It was sold out. Uh, I was so scared to do it, you know, but, uh, and I, as a dyslexic, I way over promoted it and uh, it was a sold out room and, uh, and really kind of engaged me into this next chapter of what I'm doing around the philosophy of how we work at agencies around, you know, talking about intersections of thinking different creativity and dyslexia. And uh, from that, we, we're doing salons, physical salons. We're doing uh, many articles we've been writing about the topic. I have a podcast, uh, Dyslexic Design Thinking, that uh, uh, talks with a lot of individuals around the topic. I've done some art exhibitions and some more to come in the next year or so. That's a quick little sort of where, where I come from and where I'm going. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that story. I loved so much all of the questions that you just said, I can almost get a, a sense of how you tackle different things. You are a question asker. It feels like maybe curiosity is a, a value, like trying to get to the truth, finding the discord. I really resonated with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really interesting. So tell me from your own experience, you, you mentioned a bit about being diagnosed with dyslexia. How do you think that that has shaped your career in terms of, you know, starting your own agency? Did that have something to do with it? Like, did you want to be part of building something? Like, tell me, tell me more about that. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, as a dyslexic, you know, you're born with it. You don't get over it. It's uh, it's a full body experience. It's the way my mind works, you know. So often people think that dyslexia is a learning disability, but that's just a symptom. That's really where we see that we have potentially a discord with the linear thinking, reading and writing. You know, what really happens in my mind when I when I look at letters and I read is I look at letters as negotiable symbols. And most people are like, what? Because linear thinkers look at, at the letters as non-negotiable symbol, which what allows you to then flow through a sentence into a story, into the meaning, and you don't even recognize the, the letters and the words, you just get what's behind them. But for a dyslexic mind, I negotiate them, which means that when I look at the letter, I see through it, above it, below it, all at the same time. Now, if you take that mindset and you put it into reading, it's challenging. You know, and you have to figure out how to do it and how to work through it. But if you take the same exact gift and apply it to just about anything else, who doesn't want to look at ordinary things and find extraordinary solutions? Who doesn't want to solve 
problems and from 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 ways outside of the norm find connection between things that are not apparent to the linear mind so as a dyslexic i'm immensely you know i'm, I'm very good as a dyslexic i'm very good at visualization i'm very good at imagining things i had to overcompensate from my writing and becoming very focused and very clear communicator you know and I can really see things that connect each other because I leap between things and I find connections that are not apparent to the eye, which sort of leads me into this mind of exploration because over my lifetime, I've really learned how to be comfortable with failure and how to use that failure as the sort of edge for discovery, for innovation, for thinking differently and being comfortable with it. So to your question about how does that relate to my career, I always looked to dance in different ways. You know, I looked at this instead of to try to find a job, to design the environment, to design the relationship, to design the approaches that I take to, to do the kind of things I do. You know, at our creative agency, you know, we really focus about communication. So it's really important to me that the team is diverse, that are uh, both neurodivergent and neurotypical, and we work together. So we bring our conversation from many different perspectives, and that's not only welcome, it's embrace. You know, we're very much about empathy, because if we're going to talk to others, we better start first understanding where they're coming from and allow us to have a much better path toward mutuality, toward a successful outcome. We invest tremendous amount of time in curiosity. Play is the indicator of whimsical, mindful openness to embrace differences. So we find ways to put that into our everyday practices as we work with our clients. And through that, we find unexpected solution to problems. You know, as a dyslexic, it's very easy for me to see in a blink of an eye an answer. But I have to bring my team, our clients, and our community along. So we've put together many different practices, many different value, maybe different sort of modality that allows to sort of play within this sort of arena. So dyslexia is, I think, has been the catalyst to 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 what I do. I wouldn't be able to take that, those kind of risk and to play this way if it wasn't for my dyslexia. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I really, I, I really believe that dyslexia is a hyper ability. You know, if you put your effort into it, get a relationship with your differences, they tend to often become your strengths. I really liked how you mentioned that you built the environment, right? And I love this idea of something that most of us think is linear, just because it's that's the regular worldview is that that is linear. It doesn't always have to be, nor probably should everything be linear. So you're, you're questioning and your curiosity has led you to a different career. It's not, I would imagine, it's not been a, a linear career either. No, no. It's uh, part of my, I don't, think, I don't know if it's has to do with, with dyslexia, but part of my personal philosophy is that when you have a goal and you try to reach it and you think about it and that's all you do, it, it's really important to have that, but, but you also have to be open to, to move and, and adjust with the situation conditions. It, it not only enriches the process toward your destination, but it actually would surprise you where it will take you, you know, and I could have never imagined as, as a young, you know, uh, college students that I would end up where I am today. But it's so much better and so much uh, richer than I can ever imagine because I was open to veer, to take a chance, to 
maybe take a pit stop where I didn't expect to and see a view that I didn't know existed and, and changes the whole trajectory of where I've uh, ended up with. So part of our process at the agency is to slow down so we can move fast, you know, especially when timing and deadlines and deliverables are so important because often we try to solve the wrong problem, you know, and, and so for us, we always try to say, okay, let's everybody slow down. Let's stop. Even if it's doing an hour and people are just so like, we can't, it's, it's, it's do uh-uh. everybody take a breath. Everybody stop. What is the problem we're trying to solve? And when we all agree from all the different business, this is what we're trying to solve. We solve in a blink of an eye because we have endless solutions, but we know what we're solving. And all of a sudden we can move in double time. So a lot of the things that I do myself and I do with the team is kind of how do we get to the end results and what, what we do at the agency. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting and refreshing to hear from an agency that goes slow to go fast. So I come from a background of being in a, a CPG company. So I have a career at Frito-Lay and PepsiCo and I worked with, um, so I was on the HR side, but I worked with marketing and insights and, you know, they're very demanding on agency partners, very, very demanding. And so the cultures that I've heard about at different agencies are kind of always on reactive to, to, um, you know, these big brands that they're working for. And so it's refreshing to hear that, you know, you have a, a different perspective and a different culture and you've given a, a bit of some of this and some of your answers that you've given us already, but I'd love to deep dive a little bit more just in terms of your experience as a dyslexic, how it amplifies your leadership style and how you built the team. So can we dig in a little bit more there? You mentioned go slow to go fast. You mentioned diversity was really important to team. What else comes to mind? Yeah. So your question is how as a dyslexic, uh, it affects my leaderships and my style of building team and culture. So, you know, I think as, as a leader, as a coach, it's really important to, um, lead by example. So for me, first and foremost, is I'm very comfortable and very confident to share my strengths and my differences, because that allows my team and our clients, uh, when it's the right situation, to, to relate because we all have them. And by doing that, it allows us to create trust and allows us to create relationship that we can build on. We often look at our team and make sure that we come from many different mindsets. You know, so by design, we're neurodivergent, we're uh, neurotypical. It's important because we're looking for different mindsets. We're looking for different backgrounds and different skills. Having the strengths to complement each other's weaknesses and understanding that. So something that I do very well, I know maybe somebody else is strong with something else. So we kind of dance together with our differences and our strengths to make the collective even stronger. You know, collaboration for us is not uh, the mindset of a compromise. It comes from the mindset of, how do we adjust a different perspective to arrive at the end together for a better outcome? And when you understand that, then you create a culture of collaboration, which people brings new and different perspectives to the conversation. And you find a way to kind of make it part of the overall equation. When you're trying to regulate a team or an organization, a client, you know, it's all about for us, as I said a minute ago, it's all about slowing down to bring everybody along. So then with that clarity, we can speed up to generate more ideas and to change the outcome together. You know, as a dyslexic, I look at the world from a strength-based model. So it's really comes from the idea that 
yes, there's certain things I cannot do, but I'm focusing about what I can do. And that approach to what I can do doesn't need to just apply to my own sort of cognitive approach to the world, but applies to everything I do both at the agency and with our clients. It's it's a can-do attitude, you know? So when stuff changes, when what we thought was right, what we thought was different, how do we pivot as a group, as an organization for the better outcome of the circumstance? And that gives us a huge advantage with the way we approach the work we do. So, you know, for me, it's really about leading with, by example, you know, meeting my team, my client, myself, where we are. So that's a, always a great starting point and making sure that we work together for the better outcome of the overall goal, you know? I really, um, I really loved what you said about leading by example. I think it is hard to be in a leadership position sometimes. And a lot of times as leaders, you know, we're being watched. People have eyes on us. It's, it, there's more exposure to everything that we do and people are watching. And so I think it's important to, to model because there's, I mean, there's so many leaders who want things for their team and their clients, um, but they don't do it themselves. Right. And so I'm wondering what kinds of um, behaviors or other things do you model that you hope that your team and your clients get to do the go slow to go fast? Are there any other boundaries that you have in place that have worked well for you? Yeah. Um, you know, as I said, you know, by, by, by leading by example, it's so empowering for everyone because you are human too. There's things that I'm not that good at, you know, and I'm okay with it because there's a lot of things I'm really, really good at. And if I ask my team or ask my client to take a leap, to take a risk, to invest, you know, in something that maybe is unknown, it's always more comfortable to do it with a, a guide, with a creative, with leadership that is comfortable with that kind of request, you know. Being coachable is only part of the equation. You also need to have a very good and compassionate coach, you know, in order to coach somebody, know where they're coming from, and knowing that you coach is somebody that went through the same path, the same trials and tribulation that you have, you know. Some of the things that we use as some of our sort of creative process with our clients is seeing the the, the tree, it's you know, seeing the bigger picture, right? So for us, it's really important to kind of understand what is the 30,000 view of what we're trying to do and what are the details and sort of really have a clear understanding of where are we trying to go what are the pieces that we can change? What are the pieces that are working together? And how do we make this overall ecosystem hum better than it is when we arrived, you know? Uh, because I'm a dyslexic and I see everything is negotiable, I often look at situation and says, what do we consider non-negotiable? Mm. Let's negotiate that. Because often those are constructs we put into place that created a reality that maybe is too narrow and too soon. So, you know, often people say, like, well, but, but what is negotiable. The truth is everything is negotiable. The question is, what are you willing to negotiate or change or redefine in order to change the trajectory of what you're trying to do? You know, and then as, as my mind does, we've seen connections with everything is to, I can see it in the blink of an eye, right? I can see how a certain change will change the cost per unit, the distribution, the marketing, the trajectory, the five-year plan, the consumer behavior, the social and marketing a strategy that beats through the year, but you have to bring everybody along. So for me, making those connections and then having a way to clearly 
and linearly and accountably explain it allows our great projects and ideas to come to market and get everyone as a team, both the client and us, to be on the same page. You know, visualization, oh, I can visualize, but can you visualize so much that you manifest? And the thing is dyslexic, it's a gift that we have that we're able to clearly see it in my mind. And sometimes I tell my team, I just, I just can't fully visualize it. And I, I trust that there is something in the recipe of our doing that is still unresolved, that is still need clarity. Because as soon as it's aligned, I can see it. And if I can see it, I know we can manifest it and create it and bring it to market. So those are some of the tenants that we use to work with ourselves, with our clients, me individually as a person, to always kind of fine tune our approach to kind of play with my strength, my team strength, my client strength, to just always kind of adjust half, half a percent of what we're doing to get a tremendous outcome out of the effort in the process. That clarity of seeing seeing it so clearly and visualizing it in your mind, not everybody has that. And so I wonder, how do you, if you see that so clearly and you know what's going to happen and you can play it out probably faster than everybody in the room, how do you... What I, what I see sometimes is that people who can do this often don't have the patience to bring others along because sometimes people do not see it and it takes them a long time to see it, especially if it is an idea that they weren't willing to negotiate to your point before. So how do you bring others along to believe in that outcome that you know is true and you've probably seen it play out multiple times in the past but maybe they haven't seen that just yet from you how do you bring those along and how do you stay confident and rooted in that plan if it takes longer if this if the the go slow is taking a little bit longer than you're usually used to too you know it goes back to the idea of you have to meet the students where they are mm -hmm. Uh, what does that really mean? It means that I may want to teach you how to fly, but you're not fully yet, you know, embodied what is walking, you know. Um, so it's not fair to you or to me to tell to say, you know, but I want to fly. But there is, there is, you know, in this very fast moving world, we try to jump over some of the building blocks that take to arrive. You know, I much arrive on time with tremendous amount of foundation than early with no foundation. So often what I do, it's it's not the slowing down is not an economic thing. It's not that we're losing money or time. You know, it's the idea that let's sit down for a minute and really think and listen to what matters to you. If you're saying to me that you want to be in the business of innovation, how much are you willing to risk? A lot. Great. Very little. You know, the, the conversation is really around. How much innovation are you willing to take? Because to innovate, you have to risk. You have to be willing to actually, you should invest in, in failure because you're trying to get to the edge of ideas. And the only way to get there and to evolve it is you have to be comfortable with investing in, 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 in the idea of failure, of trying, of not succeeding, but not because that's the point. That's part of the process in order to learn how to fly. So for me, it's really meeting this, the meeting myself, my, my team, my clients, my community, where they're at, and honoring that. 
and then starting to talk from that perspective. So I don't share a lot of this philosophy with everyone because it's not that relevant. I mean, if you're interested, I'm an open book. I will tell you exactly where I'm coming from and the practices I do every day to be present, grounded, and ready for the day. But often I meet clients that are obviously running global cooperation, you know, businesses, products, execution, nonprofits, whatever we're doing, that just want us to solve the problem. So we really start as like, what, what important to you? Like, what, what is the challenges? Why it's not working? Where do you see the discord? You know, where do you see the lack of flow in your organization? And we just spend a lot of time listening, you know, full body listening. And from that, we start to understand what are the mechanics that work and what are the sort of things that maybe don't work. And sometimes it's the individual, sometimes it's the market, sometimes the organization, sometimes they forgot what, what they're doing or why they're doing it because they've been doing it for so long. They forgot at the end of the day is about something so simple and so human based, you know, often it's rooted in sort of understanding your audiences and, and having empathy to where they're coming from. So if you are a, a doctor, when is the last time you spend a night in the emergency room as a patient? I never done that. Then how can you understand how it is to feel ill and be, you know, like, so there's a lot of different things that we kind of do in the process to sort of understand where our clients are and how to best help to change their circumstance. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, I, I always look for things that are maybe war shiny or yet to be shiny or hope to be shiny, but whoever is behind the wheel, believe that there's an opportunity for some shininess, because if there is, we always find it and we always turn those things around and make it a great outcome. So... And there's a theme that has come up in these conversations and in the conversations with my coaching clients. As leaders, they are identifying their core values and more and more of them are realizing that they need to add a value that prioritizes themselves. Sometimes this shows up as a value of self-care or balance or sustainability or maybe being centered. But these are the kinds of things that are now showing up on their list. But unsurprisingly, these values are often accompanied by feelings of misalignment, unhappiness, even anxiety. See, these are areas in their lives that are important because they're a core value, but they aren't getting prioritized within the busy schedules of these executives and leaders. So do you know your core values? If you haven't, I really think that you should check in with them. Have they changed? Have they evolved? I like to look at my core values every 90 days or so. So I invite you to do that. Go on the catchgroup.com and grab your values worksheet to identify your values and then do an inventory. And I want you to look for ways that you're prioritizing yourself. How is that showing up in your values and why or why not? So two things I want to ask you about after you, your last answer, you mentioned whole body listening. And so I want to know more about what that means to you and what does that look like? And then you also said, if they want to understand how I'm grounded and I start my day, then I can tell them. Otherwise I won't. I want to know that too. So I'd love to start with, tell me more about whole body listening. So as a dyslexic, you know, reading and writing wasn't my strength. You know, I practiced a lot over the years and got much better at it. And 
I, I read with my ears obsessively. Like I, I, I listen to, I've listened to your podcast. I just listen to so much content and I've learned over the years to really listen. And I didn't remember. So I don't know if I was born with photographic memory or I developed it over time, but I just kind of obsessed over that and found it to be part of my habits. So when I'm talking about listening with your whole body is really using all your senses. You know, first and foremost, what I tend to do is put your feet on the ground, get gr grounded, get embodied, be present, be present so you can sense and see the person in front of you, the environment around you, listen more than the words, listen with every sense of your body. So if you're asking me the question, I can see in your eyes, Laura, that you're kind of excited. You're like, oh my God, like, what is he doing? How can I learn? Maybe our audience can learn from it. You know, it's moving you and you're feeling that sort of vitality and energy within you, what's the human spirit. So I always try to sort of use all of my senses. My gut feeling is telling me something. My mind is telling me something. My heart is telling me something. Over the years, you know, I practiced it. So I look for it. You know, you say something, but your eyes are saying something else. I just made a note. This is not a good or bad. It's not judgment. It's just what it is. I may come back to it later and say, listen, you mentioned this thing earlier on. Tell me more about that. And often when you do that and you listen to the other person, nine out of 10, you correct. And maybe they didn't feel comfortable or confident or ashamed or whatever it is. But with a little bit of humanity, with a little bit of mirroring, with a little bit of mutuality, you realize we both have those feelings. And then it allows the other person to relax. It allows me to relax. We find more mutuality. We incrementally build trust. And listening with your whole body is something that is kind of addicting because you get to be present. Mm. You know, the past is where you came from. The future is not here yet. You're right here right now. So how are you going to embrace that? And every time I do it, amazing opportunities knock at the door that I wouldn't have seen if I was just driving 60 miles an hour and trying just to get to my destination. So those are some of the ways I approach full body listenings and how I apply them. Thank you for that. I really like that description. So tell me more about staying grounded and how you start your day and what what is that like for you? So again, it, it comes from the way my mind works, right? So as a dyslexic, as we already discussed, I don't see things linearly. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of things all at the same time. So with the previous questions about embody, like I sense a lot, I hear a lot, I see a lot, and I'm really comfortable with overstimulation because that's my way my mind works. So as somebody talks to me, I can see so much more, I can sense so much more. And when you when you don't have a relationship with yourself or with your dyslexia in this scenario with myself, I'll speak about myself, then this is happening to you. You can be overwhelmed. You can not have enough attention because you feel too stimulated. So you need to sort of, you're distracted. You're trying to move away. Every shiny object draws your attention. And that can be very challenging in any age. Over the years, what I've learned is how to have a relationship with my dyslexia to understand what am I doing right now? Wow, right now I'm spinning. Right now I'm seeing everything all at once. Wow, at this circumstance, at this situation, maybe it's not as appropriate. So what can I do right now to regulate that? So some of the things I do to question is, I meditate a lot. I practice breathing intentionally a lot. 
I do full body listening or full embodiment of my, um, my senses. I practice being present. And the funny thing is, it was like, oh, you know, it's so hard to meditate. It's so, I, I breathe. I, it's, there's no destination. There's no, there's no right way of doing any of these things. It's just how can you sit within yourself and be more relaxed, more at ease, so you can just make more room for yourself. And then you're in a situation when you need to take it, turn it to 11. So as a dyslexic, I can do it in spades. So then I can say, you know, right now I'm going to actually just spin all over what we're trying to do or find a solution, an idea. And I'm going to think immensely fast to, to do so. But I'm also reading my environment. So if I'm talking with one of my strategists at the, at the agency, he thinks in a very different way than I do. So he might come to me and says, I have a problem trying to solve. What do you think? Here's the data. I will spin and give him a thousand ideas. And I can tell in his face that he starts optimistic and then gets to just about saturated. And then I try to take a pause and I regulate again. And I'm like, okay, deep breath. Hey, did you get what you need? Yes. Great. Come back when you need more chaos or more ideas or more thinking. But I've learned how to kind of do that type of play by practicing. So as I said, you know, I take walks every day so I can be present and I can empty. As a creative, as a commercial person in the creative world, I have to produce great solution right now. You know, we have to go to market. So you have to practice emptying. So you have room to create because if you're saturated, you don't have any room to create. You know, so I spend a lot of time regulating myself by, you know, breathing, doing yoga, doing meditation. But some of my team, you know, they're cyclists or they love to take, you know, um, a, a hike or they draw, or they paint or they, you know, cook or whatever it is. So in our agency, we always embrace, take the time to bring your best self to whatever we do. I have some friends that's like, I don't know, you're so busy, you're doing so many things. How do you have the time to do all these things? And the funny thing is, if I didn't do these things, I wouldn't have the time. It's almost, it's so surprising that if you take that hour a day, half an hour, 15 minutes, you get so much time back because whatever it is you do after that clarity, it comes with clarity. So the outcomes are so much more, you know, pronounced and tension and, and uh, rewarding in that way. So that's some of how I practice that on a, on a daily basis, literally on a daily basis. So thank you so much for sharing that experience. I, I just recorded just yesterday, a podcast, a solo podcast that talked about that idea that you just had on, you know, how do you do so much? And the fact that people are doing so much, but what I find is that they're just working a lot. And so this idea of working, actually working less to be grounded or to, you know, fulfill your passion or creativity or whatever will actually get you back to focus and clarity faster seems counterintuitive, right? Because we're taking less time away from the demands of the work day. But to your point, it's exactly that. It is then giving you a way to empty to then be in those places where you can spin and you can create and you're more focused and you'll get there faster. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I, um, I don't, you know, I, I, we all have to sort of make a living and, uh, I think that that's definitely something that's uh, most of us, right. But, um, we have to make a living, but I always try to find 
what am I passionate about? Sometimes like any any business owner, there's a lot of things I, that I want to do. I, I don't want to do that. Uh, and there's things I love to do. But even the things I don't like to do, I try to have a relationship with it and figure out a way it's like, how do I still find sort of inspiration and joy in it? Maybe it's the task itself. Maybe it's who I'm working with. Maybe it's the fact that it's going to give me a certain outcome that without it, I can't get to it. As a dyslexic, I learned that procrastination is only prolonging the feeling of discomfort. So I, I try to, if there's something I need to do, I try to just sort of do it at the right time, at the right place, at the right time with the right intention. Because often it takes a quarter of the time you thought it's going to be. If you come to it with an open mind and a good attitude, huh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I actually kind of liked it. Wow, now we have that result. So I don't have to carry the baggage of not knowing or not having a plan or not knowing what to do. And then it propels the energy to the next thing. That's probably the thing you like to do. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing your thought leadership, your inspirational stories, and a nonlinear way of thinking. I, I've just really enjoyed our conversation and to share this space with you today. What is the best way to stay connected? Absolutely. So the best way to follow out what we're doing at the agency, you can visit Gershoni.com. And if you're uh, looking to rethink, redesign, rebrand, re-strategize, reach out to us. We would love to talk to you and figure out how can we mind meld and uh, get some great uh, solution out there. Uh, if you're looking for some of our, my dyslexia work, I would invite you to go to dyslexicdesignthinking.com where you can uh, read my articles, check out my podcast, check out some of my interviews, my art installation. If you're dyslexic or dyslexic adjacent, come and play with us. Uh, you know, Submit some of your work, some of your thoughts and connect with us. And you'll find the new dyslexia project there as well. So you can definitely download the you know onboarding kit and uh, take it from there. So, you know, and uh, as far as my podcast, Dyslexia Design Thinking, you can find it on Spotify or anywhere you download your podcast. So a few places you can find me. Wonderful. We'll put all of those in the show notes and link that so that our listeners can get easy access to it. I just want to um, sit here in gratitude for our conversation. And I just really appreciate your time um, with us today. Thank you so much, Gil. Laura, it was terrific talking with you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.